All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of We Create Music TV. I am your host, B. Vaughn, and today we have an extraordinary guest, music producer, singer, songwriter, rap singer. Brother, Yee. welcome to the show. What's up? Man, to the show. Oh, we got a clap. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the claps and everything. Let's welcome do it. To- yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, glad that you're here today. And you now we'll just jump right into it. So if you wouldn't mind starting us off, for those that may not know who you are, just walk us through your journey, brother. How'd you get started in this music thing? Man. And so, uh, man, I got to go way back, way back, way back, way back. So I, it starts at 12 years old. 12 years old, I had just moved to Sacramento from the Bay Area. I was living in Richmond, um, uh, Richmond, California. Um, and I was going back and forth. I had just moved from uh, from Fresco. And I was just fresh to the city. It was in Sacramento, new landscape. I had never really been in the, in the valley like that. Mm. And it started in church. It started in church for me. So that was like my bare bones beginnings. And how it started in church was crazy because back then I just I used to skate, so I was like on the on the Tony Hawk stuff heavy. Like I was getting sponsored like the whole nine, mm. um, and just BMX biking. So that's all I used to do was extreme sports because coming from the Bay, like you get exposed to that stuff a lot, mm-hmm. like real quick. So I went to this church. It was called the Rock Church. It was in El Grove off Bradshaw, and it was it was a holiness church. It's an apostolic church, but it was. A, predominantly Caucasian church too at the same time. So I'm like, I'm going there. I'm like, okay, I'm about to fall asleep. But <laughs> on everything, on everything, I promise you, I promise you, if you went in there and they did praise and worship and you just close your eyes, it sound like it sound like a like a black church. It sound like commission was in there singing. Like they mm. was really wild mm-hmm. like with the music. And that was my first like peak. Like my first interest. Like, man, like this is this is kind of dope. Like, they pretty nice. They kind of nice. Like, you know? Mm-hmm. I didn't expect that. And that was my first <laughs> exposure. And it was this cat on the keys. His name was Justin Hogue, uh, later to find out. But um, he was he was a brother. And he was up there killing, man. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, bro, I got to do this. That's when I knew, like, that. I heard that and I seen that and I just felt the response. And I knew at that moment, like, this is something I got to do. Um so that's that's pretty much how I got started in the music, and that kind of turned into a long story. Because then I was going to like a smaller version of the church, and that was like the big the big church that mm-hmm. they had, and they had a sister church called the Rock Church as well, which was like a smaller spot. I get in there first service, and I see this young cat on the drums. His name was Brian. We ended up being friends later on, and I'm 12 at the time, so he's younger than me. He looked younger than me. He's going crazy. He had the little. He had the '80s uh, kid and play uh, uh, flat top. <laughs> you had a flat top going on. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, shit. I had one of them. That flat top's going crazy. <laughs> but um, yeah, I used to. The drums. Uh, he said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have one of them. Shit, not no more. But, um, For real. Yeah, he was he was going nuts on the drums, and I'm like, man, man he kind of dope. Again, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I can do this. You know what I mean? Like, I'm about to do this music, and at that point, I didn't. This is so far back. I I didn't know how to rap. I didn't know how to sing. I didn't know how to play keys. Yeah, I didn't know nothing. I just knew that I wanted to do music. And that was my first experience, my first, like, peak in interest to be like, man, I'm going to do this music. So from Mm. there, 
again, it's a holiness church, so I get hit with a bomb. I didn't even expect this, but they don't, they don't, and they're apostolic on top of that, so they didn't, this is one of them super duper duper holiness churches. They didn't, you know, they don't want the women cutting their hair. Mm-hmm. They wearing dresses down to their ankles, you know what I mean? Like Can't super, wear pants. Super, can't wear makeup. That. That's a it's a no go. That's a no fly zone. So I was like <laughs> I was like, man, you can watch TV. I'm like, why you can't watch TV? TV's a devil. Exactly. That's all they had. That was an explanation. And I'm like, alright, well, I wasn't with that at first, but the reason I got with it because you know you become a member. I wanted to play. I wanted to get on stage and play the keys. Because mm-hmm. I just I love the music. I love what's going on. I wanted to be a part of it. So we became a member. Long story short, my mom took the TV out of the house uh, to to basically comply with the church. And she replaced it with a Casio keyboard from Target. You know what I mean? And I was like, it was one of the joints that had the keys that light up so you could see everything. Mm -hmm. The real red red keys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I was able to pick it up real quick because I could just watch it over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. They had the keys, so I just played the notes one line, one bar at a time. And it had nothing but classical music in it. So I started learning that and started getting classically trained. Mm. I only took three lessons in my entire life from um, uh, Justin Hogue. And he taught me how to play by ear. So he wow. didn't teach me sheet music. He asked me if I knew sheet music. I learned mm. that on my own off the internet and just like learning how to read sheet music and, and learning the trouble in the bass clef, learning how to like sight read. I kind of got into that, but I used to always have to just read mm. page by page and practice it and rehearse. And he exposed me to blues and jazz and improv, you know, and big steps. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't used to that. I was just used to sheet music. So that's that's a big transition in itself, going from sheet music to having to, to do improv. Because um, that's, I mean, as you know, like with, with church music, that's all it is all day long. It's improv. Yeah. It's not oh, really. Yeah. You can write it out, but you and I both know, like, you get on the organ, you when got on the organ, organ. Hammond, Hammond B3 playing chords that's not supposed to be in the song and transition. <laughs> like, that, that's not that's not on the sheet music, bro. Like, where oh, no, you get nah. that from? What book is that in? He like, oh, that ain't no book, bro. That right. ain't no book. That's that's right here. That's, that's just, right here. That's, that's You know? <laughs> I'm like, okay, I got to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was a hurdle, but I got over that. So I learned how to play by ear. And he taught me chords. He taught me scales. He taught me chord intervals. He, ca- mm. he taught me like just how to find a key, you know, and just unlock my ear to being able to hear the song, searching for the bass line. Mm-hmm. Based on the bass line, you can start eliminating what chords is being played after you know the key. And is that was my first experience in music. And then right around that time, back to old boy was playing drums, young dude. Mm-hmm. We started a group. So I came from. Old school CHH, which mm-hmm. for those who don't know, that's that's Christian hip hop and yep. uh, urban gospel at the time. That's what they used to call it because everybody had just started rapping. This is back when right. the cross movement was was barely moving. You had T Bone and gospel gangsters. Yes, <laughs> yep. So this is back in the day. This is before Triple E. This is before Lecrae. This is before Flame. This is before all of that. Oh man, um, and, and we had that, and we had this group. My real name Josh. His, his name was Brian. So we made J B, and then I was like, we gotta think of something else. J B Platinum. And that was the name <laughs> of the group. J B Platinum. Super duper cheesy name, but we was moving around in the city. Mm. You know what I mean? And um, that was my like. Little did I know, looking back now, it's like okay, that's when I really started music. Like that's when it was like the 
I had my first group, and we took off from there. So they used to have youth ministry all the time. So that's when we really started rapping. But we started doing that after they had one talent show at the church, you know, the, the big church, at the Holiness Church, and the big branch. Now, you got to picture this. It's a Caucasian church. They sound black. There is no black people singing, per se. But they sound like commission, like crazy. It's fire, because you got to understand, I come from the Bay Area. I'm not used to this. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, we did the little talent show. We get up there. You got two little black kids jump on stage, and we do a rap song for the first time, what feels like, in that church ever. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, they liked it. I think our age was on our side, because I, I had to be like 13, and he was 12, so we were super young. So it was, it was more of a back then like a cute factor if anything i think that helped us out <laughs> but they liked it but they was like yeah i don't know if we're gonna do that no more Mm-mm. and that's when tall t look, was in not, full effect look full not effect. no I no apostolic and some air force ones <laughs> <laughs> yo i was i was out there killing it but, um, yeah, I mean, that was the first thing. And then it happened to be some people in there that was from a church in Roseville uh, called Lord's Gym. Mm. And it was connected into Go's Gym. And they basically, like, took us under their wing, man. Like, they used to have a youth ministry that was dedicated to the youth. And they mm-hmm. had this, like, it wasn't no 18-wheeler, but it looked like one. It was, like, 18-wheeler truck. And the whole side, the inside of the truck just came down, bam. Oh, yes. And it turned into a stage. And they just had, like, these speakers on here. I'm like, this mess is crazy. Like, I ain't never seen nothing like this in my life. But they used to let us perform, and they would go around the city. And, again, little did I know, this is my first experience. I wasn't looking at it like that. But we would pretty much tour. I remember one year, like, we did, like, literally, like, what had to be, like, near, like, 90 to 100 shows in a year. And that wow. was a, that was how they did their outreach. You know what I mean? They would just mm-hmm. pull up on random cities, random apartment buildings, like half the time in the hood. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And like literally just be performing. Again, I'm 13, 14. You're aware, mm-hmm. but you're not that aware. I'm just trying mm-hmm. to get on stage. So I was, I'm trying to jump on stage no matter where it is. But in SAC, you know, they had 12th Ave. You have G Parkway. That's like, you mm-hmm. know, like the hood areas. And we just pull up. And it, we would perform, so that was my first. That's how I got into music. Wow. But um, it's a long journey. It never stopped from there. From there, it never stopped. So probably two, when I was 15, mm-hmm. going on 16, I got my first uh, uh, drum machine. I had the NPC 1000 throwback. Mm. Oh, that's a throwback. The blue, that's joint, a, the blue yeah. joint with the burgundy sides. Yeah. And that's when I made my first beat when I was 16. So I didn't start producing until then. And then after I turned 16, I had the NPC. And then I had my Casio piano. I never turned back from there. And then my mom's bought me a bass at the time because there was this dude named Kevin Gower. He used to be at the church just like killing, bro. Killing. He was the only black person in the church at the time. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he was nice. And I'm like, yo, it's it's. Yeah, that that was the mm. beginnings, man, mm-hmm. and it grew. There's so many stories, man. It's it's a, it's a long story, but like that was wow. my very, 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 very beginnings. Wow. So, so what 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 was the transition for you? The the catalyst that took you from CHH Christian hip hop to to R and B and what you're doing now. My environment, 
like and not mm. in a bad way <clears throat> not in a bad way mm-hmm. uh, i always say like what's the point of being a light if you ain't never in a dark room you know what i mean don't nobody keep lights on in a, in a, a lit room so i at the time i didn't really realize it but i used to be uh i worked with a cat named mark Knox. he probably gonna laugh when he see this but um because he know the whole backstory like he he's one of the people too he took me under his wing but mm-hmm. he was he was in jazz you know he was doing jazz and hip-hop in the city that's what i would find myself in the studio with uh e40's family d shot sugar t i was in the studio mm-hmm. with mark knox um he would be like with rick rock bueno like i was getting exposed to a lot of these names in the city because at this point I, I felt like I'm a producer. I'm trying to produce now. So I, was, yeah. I would always end up in the studio with everybody in the city. Like, I never mm. really was trying to. And at this point, I didn't really have the concept of making money off of it or nothing. I was literally just trying to right, make music right. and make vibes. But the thing was, it's, it's many things over my life that kind of made that transition. None of them are bad. So it's like I didn't have, like, no falling out or nothing. Like, I've been I've been a church dude forever you know what i mean so it's like i'm still like that to this day and i feel like that was a part of my journey of getting there to where i'm at right now is because just being a light like i never really been ashamed of like just saying that you know what i mean just even you know thank god i got this platform with you right now you know because i feel like oh, somebody's gonna see it yes. and, and be able to like you know run with it and know like yo you can be impactful you can be in church mm-hmm. you gotta be ashamed of that side try to hide that because you're in the music industry mm-hmm. so the transition i always felt like for whatever reason, everybody else would be in the studio with everybody who was in church, whoever played in the band or whatever. But I would be mm-hmm. like, just, you know, I just moved here. So I didn't feel like I was like a part, a part yet. You know what I mean? Because I was new. I didn't really know nobody. So when right. I went to the studio, I'm in the studio with Mark Knox and the city being there because he was doing his thing at the time. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I think he had just did some record for like most Dash and then he did a, a joint for Snoop. So I was just, it was a different crowd base per se. Mm-hmm. But when I would be in the studio, this is how it all break down. Like, you have a cat here being there for a session. And, you know, I don't smoke, but they'll pull out blunt switches, whatever it may be back then. Mm-hmm. And they'd be rolling up, you know what I mean, by the smoke. And then I didn't smoke. And they was like, yo, you smoke? I was like, nah, I don't smoke. He's like, you drink? I was like, nah, I don't drink. They was like, you go to church or something? Like, what, what you mean? You don't smoke, you don't drink? So I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I do, yeah. Like, I was never, you know what I mean? They would be like, oh, all right, all right, let me... All right, I ain't going, I ain't going. I'll wait till you leave then. And it was always that type of respect. Um, and I didn't really realize it back then. And I was young, too, so you got to understand. I'm mm, like mm-hmm. 15 years old in the studio. So they looked at me as like the little homie. Like, I'm just a mm. little kid, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But at the same time, I had the keys. So I wasn't like nice, nice like I am now. But I was nice enough to the point where they'd be like, yo, hey, put put that put that on the track real quick. Let's, <laughs> no, I need, hey, hello, homie, put that on the track. I need that right there. That's that, that's that, I need that vibe. And I start realizing, like, that to this day is my thing. Like, mm. I bring, I feel like I bring, and I'm not saying I'm the only one who, who, who has done this in history, because mm. obviously there was way more people before me that we got to give. Uh, credit to for all of it but i i feel like mm. i bring the church element to my peers of mm. the rmd you know okay. what i mean um so that that was a part of the transition and just many things so uh, like for example another thing that led to the transition is again i'm in a super super duper duper holiness church and they refer to hollywood as hollywood so i'm like ah, yeah i don't i don't, I don't 
I can't say because if that's the case, then I'm that. You know what I mean? Because I can't say that mm. everybody's bad like that and just doomed and going to hell until you mm-hmm. meet them and talk with them. And at the same time, that's supposed to be your duty to, to sow a seed so they can change their life. You know what I mean? That's so, right. I That's still right. to this day had a mentality. You can't judge nobody at the end of the day. What makes you righteous is when you get back up. A righteous man falls seven times, but the, it's the mm. act of getting back up that makes you righteous. So mm-hmm. I always keep that mindset. I never look down on anybody because I didn't have my down moments. You know what I mean? Everybody do. So For real. Um, yeah, and that was a part of my transition because I always felt like there was so much judgment coming from the church to the world. But then I would think, like, mm. but there's things that, that we don't do. In a church, the mindset that we're not doing in the church that they have in the world. You can't judge mm-hmm. everybody like that. At the end of the day, at some point in time, God met you where you were. Hey, hey, God met me um, smoking uh, Newports and drinking uh, drinking 40s, St. Ives. Yeah, is that so? It's like, am no. I supposed to judge you now? Cause right. I go to church. It's like, nah, mm-hmm. the Bible don't say it, don't say that. That's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to That's just right. sow a seed and let God do the rest. Mm. So it's like I always felt like that. I always felt the need, and I didn't understand why. I always felt the need to just be a light in the dark. You know right. what I mean? And that's where my whole little saying came from. I was like, what's the point of being a light if I ain't never in the dark? Mm. What's the point of me going through all of this if I'm never around the type of people mm. that I need to share the message with? So that that was a part of the transition, too, because I always felt like a, a, a very brick wall divide between the church in the world mm. and they would always kind of throw the scripture be separate from the world but i'm like yeah it says but be in the world and be separate of, of, from the world yeah. so it's like you got to still you can't be in denial you know what right. I mean? what's the point of having the message if you never share the message right. so man that, have, that was you got me you know, preaching <laughs> man hey i mean but that's i mean that's, that's 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 true though that's true i mean how, how how can we reach reach a culture of people if we're never in the midst of the culture that we're trying to reach if we're always within yeah. the four walls i mean it it's, no it's not, it makes no sense i mean because when you look at it i mean i know we ain't really get into you know what i'm saying but but when you really look at it from from even from a biblical perspective with jesus jesus was he wasn't in the synagogue all the time he, he was with the sinners yo he was with the sinners right he was he was he was having dinner with matthew he was out there with with peter you know what i'm saying like he was with you know sinners and so I mean, you know, the bottom line is, is that you, you can't be stuck in the walls. And, and I know I'm grateful. I know the people that you come in contact with are grateful that you are that light and in a dark room. You know, I think it's interesting what you said was the fact that, you know, they'd be like, oh, you know what? Okay, you know, we'll, we'll just wait till you leave then. You know, they had a certain amount of, of respect for you to, to not be able to do that. And I think a lot of time people kind of compromise you know, who they are, you know, so that they could fit in with, with, I mean, I know I did that in my life. I know when I was in the military, I did that for myself. That's, you know, like I said, God found me when I was, you know, with Newports and St. Ives. So, I mean, in the military, you, you try to fit in as peer pressure. And so I was a fresh, you know, young buck straight out of high school. I ain't know no better. So I started smoking and drinking like everybody else just to, you know, to fit in with everybody in my barracks. But it's, it's good to see that there are people out there who are staying true to themselves and not compromising who they are. Yeah, and it's not it's not to say that I haven't had pitfalls. I think everybody's had pitfalls, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Everybody's had downfalls, everybody's had those moments, you know what I mean, where you just try to fit in. But it's like, for the most part of my life, I think that's what made me who I am, because I'm like, I'm like that today. Like, I'm, I'm, 
I really ain't trying to sit in with you. That's how I be feeling like half the time. Because mm. I've always been like just solo dolo. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just on my own, trying to blaze my own trail. But I feel like, you know, we we all had those moments. But overall, that's been like my mindset. That's just, especially coming from the Bay Area. Like, I didn't know no, no other way to really think. You know what I mean? Like, this is how it was. So I feel like taking that and mixing it with the church is kind of like created like who I am right mm-hmm. now. You know what I mean? There's certain pieces of me that ain't never changed, probably never going to change. And it's a lot of mindsets that I used to have that I don't have no more just because mm. I have more of a spiritual foresight in it. You know what I mean? Right. I wouldn't do the things that I used to do now. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So yeah. I, I think it's definitely yeah. important. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we mature as we, as of course, as we get older and we learn things as we as we get older and so those things you know the bible talks about that then see now you come into this whole bible yeah. thing brother <laughs> you, you know like it, like like, like paul paul said for. paul said when i was a child you know he i did childish things but when i became a man i put away those childish things so you know right. we 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 mature as we we get older and the things that we were involved in we you know we no longer do you know hopefully you know but everybody still struggles to to your point but uh yeah so so talk to us how, how did you get your name uh that was a conscious decision so i was just mm. thinking like man I, I need something that's on like just something that i catch later when people like get the fact i always been told like working on the music they were like yo the music too busy it's too much but i'm like mm-hmm. i didn't hear that until i started moving to la you know when everybody was trying to be over commercialized again i'm co- i'm coming from i'm yeah. coming from more church background so it's like busy to me is like I mean, have y'all heard of Shelby? I mean, like, that's still... <laughs> and I I've, I can conceptualize everything. Like, it's not busy mm-hmm. to me because I'm a musician. So I never looked at music from the point of, like... I don't even know how to say it. Like, just an artist. Like, I always looked right. at music from the point of a musician. So I heard all the parts. Mm-hmm. Just like if I was back, back in the band, mm-hmm. you know. And I wanted to bottle that up box it up so i came up with like you know what i need a name that's more of a statement than an actual name so i came up with yfrs which stands for your favorite rap singer now for most people they be like man you ain't my favorite i don't even know who you are i ain't never heard of you what you mean my my favorite rap my favorite. singer i don't even know your real name like but i was like yo i would always say and it's still press play press play just press play press play you either gonna like it or you gonna love it, but mm-hmm. more than likely, once we're done, I, I might be your favorite rap. Your singer. favorite rap singer. So that's you know, I just started using it as that, okay. and then short for rap singer. You know what I mean? But it's mm. it's been holding this weight. So and it gives me something to compete with with myself because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not I'm not a, a unison sound type person. Like I listen to mm. everything. I listen from everything from classical to Cotton Club, Scott Joplin to you know, Jay Moss with a jam, mm-hmm. Ken Clark's here, Donnie McClurkin, yes. Ronda Adams, Kim Burrell, all the way to like, you know what I mean, just mm-hmm. Billy Holiday to to this Sam Cooke, Jarrell LeVert, like wow. Mid Condition, one of my favorite bands, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Prince, you know what I mean? Like just Ray Charles, Steve Wonder, like I'm I'm mixed up. So it's like I feel like your favorite mm-hmm. rap singer gives me the chance over time for people to hear different music from me. And I think it's right. about catalog. With certain artists, you can hear three or four songs and be like, I already know what they're going to sound like. Yeah. But 
I have different variations of music, so it allows me a platform to express myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had the privilege of, of checking out some of your music as well. Like I, I, I had, I wrote down, you know, what would be some of my favorite stuff that I heard from you. And man, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about your music yeah, because yeah. because the things that I heard. So I'm gonna give it to you in, in order that <laughs> I like my my favorite at this particular point. Uh, Save me. That just had a different man. That just had a different man. feel feel to yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so I'll say, save me, uh, get her back. That yeah, that was that was tight. And house party. Man, thank you. But yeah, but yeah, save me was just it was just so different, and it just was just so refreshing to hear that type of. I mean, I'll let you explain the you know the story behind it, but just to hear that type of refreshing sound in today's oversaturated music market of commercialism and uh, manufacturism, right? You know, sounding the same. It was just refreshing to hear mm -hmm. that. Man, that record came from a real place. And it was crazy because I was going through so much at that time. And I felt like I was working with my boy Scarlett, Scarlett War, Track Killers, you already know what it is. And I was like, man, I just want to do something different. Like, I just want to, like, bleed on this record i don't even want to like i don't want to sit in here and write i don't want to do nothing and mm. literally for about an hour we're sitting in there it's just looping it's looping it's looping i took the guitar out i laid the guitar on there i was like man it just need to be something simple i need that feeling like it gotta feel like some like sam cook type we got it laid down just like the bare minimum mm. and i go in the studio and for me that was that was probably one of the realest days in my life and i literally 90% of that song was freestyle, like that whole beginning portion. And I literally just like, man, I'm going to just say something. I don't even know how it's going to come out. I don't know if it's going to mm. work, but we're going to see. At least it'll be real at the end of the day. Mm. Um, and I was just venting. And literally, get done. I did a couple takes. Ran it back like two times. I come out the booth. And this is how I knew it was legit. This is how I knew it was real. This is how I knew it had an impact. I come out the studio, and my boy is like teary eyed. Ah, yeah. Like, that's literally like that's the sign. Dang man, just and walks outside. I'm like, oh shoot, is he mad or something? Like he comes back inside. And we just had we having a conversation like mm. this, and I'm like, man, he's like, like, man, what are you going through, bro? <laughs> like. <laughs> What's going on? You know what I mean. So yeah. it was just one of them. It was one of them moments, bro. It was a real moment. I feel like for for both of us, it was a real moment. Like yo, we did something real. And at mm. that time, it was for uh, uh, my manager, uh, 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 Dwayne DB. He DB. Liked to be DB. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, track boys in a in a in a in a game. You already know what it is. I gotta mm. shout it out. Um, but he got his own history. That's crazy on how we met too. But uh, mm. he was working on a film. Um, and, and shout out to them with that. It's a nine-time award-winning indie film called Dana Story. Wow. And it was about uh, human trafficking. And he gave me the, the play. He was like, look, we need a record that's about, look, there's this girl. She's going through a human trafficking situation. She can't get herself out. But she mm -hmm. wishes that she could get out of the situation. Um, and it's going to take a lot to get her out of the situation. I was like, man. After explaining, he sent me a trailer of what they had shot so far. And I was like, let me see what's going on so that way I can kind of get catch a vibe and catch a feeling and see if I can just try to relate you know um 
And I very often try to put myself in the shoes of the situation um, that it is. And that helped aid towards it as well. Um, and it just came together, man. I sent the record off. They sent it back. It was a part of the Zales theme. Um, wow. That's in the in the film. And it, it, it definitely, I felt like, hit home and matched. You know, mm. it was a good situation. So that's how that came about. Um, House Party was like, yo, we was listening to some old school music. Yeah, you know I mean? and he was mm-hmm. like, "I was like, man, you got to remake this joint. You got to do something like this." And I was like, "Well, shoot, let's make it then. Let's get in the studio though." Because I've been trying to get, <laughs> I was trying to get DB in the studio forever. I'm like, "No," he was like, "No, no, no." He don't be trying to slide through the studio. And I was like, "Yo," he finally slid through the studio, and we worked on the record together. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Bro, we got to do a record together, bro. We got to just for the history." history's mm. sake and literally an hour later that song came out like the beat at least we had the beat mm-hmm. um because he was in town and we we just knocked it out it was super late in the studio you know what i mean um the the track came out fire next day i had a yes on it. two days later the song was done i sent it to him he was like yo mix that down that's it that's crazy like yeah <laughs> nothing to talk about and then it just it took a natural organic move forward like the record mm. just kind of started moving by itself and thank God I was in a position to kind of just, you know, help um, just financially push the record and make it make it work. So mm-hmm. that's the history on that. But I try to make sure that just musically those records and even uh, Get Her Back, you already know what that is. Oh, by the way, Get Her Back, uh, a.k.a. GHB, is on an upcoming project I got. It's called Rap Singer Reloaded. I reloaded a bunch of songs. I redid uh, uh, Pony by Genuine. I redid some Boys to Men cuts on there. I really did the Twisted So Sexy record, so it's it's a bunch of like cuts on there. Make sure y'all watch out for that. It's about to be dropping soon. Rap singer reloaded. Um, yeah, yeah. I want to, you know, I, I want to hear that because you know I'm a big Boys yeah. and Men fan. So yeah, wanna, yeah. yeah. You gonna know? You gonna know? Like from the first yeah. line, you gonna be like, oh, he redid really that one. Like, uh oh, you gonna know? Yeah, Uh-oh. I gave it away on the first line. <sighs> yeah, I can't wait. When? Yes, sir. When, when, when's it dropping? I, I can't get a date. I can't get a date. I'm ready. But it's coming out. I'm actually drop. I might be dropping that joint next. And that one's okay. more like a, um, it's kind of close to save me, but it's more like it's a ballad. You know what I mean? It's mm. not what people might expect. But I feel like it fits, it fits the boys to men. It got oh, me thinking now. You know I mean? I'm kind of thinking now. <laughs> yeah. So it's, I kept everything true to it, but just mm-hmm. kept it me. You know what I mean? So that way people can be like, okay, then I, I hear the influence, but. Okay, I, I I get it. I get it. You know, so just to just to try to push in more on you know your favorite rap singer, you got to keep giving them more. Mm. Yeah. Hey. Well, are you definitely giving them more with 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 this music that you're putting out? <clears throat> yeah, Excuse you. me. But yeah, yeah. When I first heard, it, I was like, oh, okay, all right. He he bringing some stuff for real. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Got yeah. to do it. Yeah. So so track killers. How did you come up with with track killers? Man, Track Killers is me and my boy. Again, shout out to Scarlet Ward, Track Killers. Y'all already know what it is. Uh, we started a production team, and um, that started from us just – I met him in Long Beach. I was doing a show, just taking that back. It, it had to be like 2012, the end of 2012, 2013, and we did a show in Long Beach. He saw me perform, and then he was performing, and we linked up probably like four months after that. Um, to just work on some music. He was working on a project 
and I was just producing some of the songs off of there. We collabed on a, a couple of songs. Ain't none of them songs ever came out. <laughs> it's one of them situations. But yeah, I mean, later we realized we just, we were in cutting records for ourselves. You know what I mean? We started linking up, going to some networking events. Uh, and people wanted to work with us, you know what I mean? Because they kept hearing the music. You know, you press play on enough people, they would slide through and then they wanted their own music. Um, and at the time, there was this young dude named uh, Jordan Newt. Um, his mm-hmm. pops was Bobby Bobby New, and he used to be on the writing team with Tank. Mm-hmm. Um, and they slid through and they started grabbing records from us. Um, rest in peace to Sam Sarpunk. He he came through um, trying to get some pop records at the time. This is when, oh my God. <laughs> this is when, like, uh, LMFAO. On the yeah, uh-huh. Yep. With that party rock. Like, yep. it was out. And it was going nuts. And I was like, man, everybody was doing... You know that that threw the industry off balance yeah, a little it did. bit for a second because yeah. we was it was just rap and R and B and then it just went mad pop like where you got mm-hmm. people like Ludacris doing pop records with David Guetta and I'm like yo for me hey they, they like went they went that pop money man but even like it took over like when mm-hmm. you see Usher was doing pop Ludacris was doing pop like it's this artist you would never expect in your life. Right, doing pop EDM dubstep records, yeah. And to me, I was just like, it's all music. I don't even really hear the difference. I mm. I really had a oh, what was that song called? Ah, I forgot. I had one song that was like that. It was mad pop, like it was EDM ish. Mm-hmm. Like three years before it was popular to do that. Wow. <laughs> so everybody yeah. thought I was being extra weird with the sound, but I felt like I was just trying to do some different version like a of a mm-hmm. Timbaland twist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Of like a sexy bag but like EDM version. Mm-hmm. Um and it just it was before its time, but in that time like, you know, the switch on everything. So I, I feel like this music altogether is just like one it's one big pile or yeah. whatever it's all on the same 12 keys in the end of the day <laughs> the same 12 keys right right it, you just have a keyboard just a 12 key keyboard and that's all you need right there <laughs> <laughs> well, sh- well, well you look, look you know they you know they used to say that dj mustard only his keyboard was like six keys because he would just use the same hey. <laughs> that, you know what and that may be true I feel that may like, be true you know it may be true, but at the end of the day, he got that bag, though. He's, hey. He got that bag, That's right. Though. That's right. the bag. That's all it's about. Okay, mm. one key. Figure out how to do it. You know Figure out I mean? how to do but it. I, yeah, you know, so I don't, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. There's different levels to it. You know, I look at it like basketball. Mm-hmm. Everybody can't shoot threes. Everybody can't <laughs> hold down the center and dunk. Everybody can't be Shaq. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Yeah, yeah everybody it, it can. Has its pieces. Everybody can. Yeah. And everybody has to identify, and I'm glad you said that because everybody has to identify where they're really strong at. I had a conversation with someone before and we were talking about really identifying your strengths. And I knew for me, because I produce too, but I know yeah. for me that, you know, production may not be, you know, my strongest suit. I mean, I could crank out some fire, but it may not be, you know, what my true skill set really is. And I've had to really think about where that where that was and operate in that, you know, my true skill set. So I think that's important because I think everybody today tries to play every role and you may not be able yeah. to play every every single role. You know, yeah, that's just absolutely. That's, yeah. That's just my thought. I don't yeah. think you can play every role. 
Yeah, I always, I always knew my strong suit was the keys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just being a musician. You know what I mean? And often, you know, you have a lot of musicians that are really super stupid dope at being a musician, but when it's time to be a producer, it doesn't translate all the time. Right. And I felt like I was lucky. I felt I learned more and more and more and more over time. Shout out to Mark Knox again because he kind of instilled drums, just drums. Your drums mm-hmm. got to slap. They got to not. They got to slap. They got to yeah, because I always had mm-hmm. the chords, always. But then it's like, it's. I mean, you already know. Like as a piano player, you want to do ah ah. You putting all the little chords in there, but the <laughs> drums don't be matching. It's like yo, he's like start with the drums. Mm-hmm. So that helped me translate over. And then I always been. My ear has always leaned more towards older music. I'm a mm-hmm. Prince fan. Like when people ask me the question, they say. Uh, who are you more a fan of, Michael Jackson or Prince? I'm like, man, that's a hard question to answer. That's not even a fair question talking, either, but... Yeah, if, you, if you're talking about music, just music, Prince, he plays the guitar. Like, mm. I have to. Like, it's just a different, it's a different vibe. Like, I like Stevie Wonder, I like Ray Charles, I like Prince. I like the musical artists because they brought a different uh, light to the mm-hmm. whole situation. I feel like Michael Jackson was a crazy performer, but then you got songs like Butterflies. I mean, this man had like seven stacks, eight stacks on the vocals going crazy. Like, that song is crazy. But to me, that was like Neo Soul. And I'm like uh, a big, I like Lettuce, I like Jill Scat, I like Robert mm-hmm. Glasper, I like uh, Dwele, Raheem, Avant, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Mink Edition. So I'm, I'm coming from that. And then, huge Teddy Riley fan. You know what I mean? Hey, you know, that's all another story, too. I got the chance to meet him at his house, which is crazy. That was like on my bucket list. But uh, yeah, You know what? That was, on my, that was on my list, too. And I had a chance to meet, meet Teddy. And I did some, uh, some filming for, for Teddy when he was here in Atlanta, getting prepared for his, uh, what was the thing he was getting prepared for? The Road to Essence Festival that he did. Was yeah, it last year? Yeah. yeah. And, and that was how I met DB. Was at at the was at the Teddy Riley yeah, thing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's how I met him because he was there, and we talked about how he was from St. Louis. And I was like, Yo, I just moved from St. Louis, and uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how how I met him. You know. So speaking of that, man. So how did you meet DB? Right. I mean, DB is your current manager. So how did you how did you really meet him? Shout out to Chris, Chris mm. Butch Hines. Um, he had a connect. And uh, he made it happen, man. We had mm-hmm. we had some different things going on in the technology, and we linked up based off of that. So in 2018, this is the whole finance piece. We jump, we're gonna jump all over. But in 2018 of April, I had took Track Killers Entertainment, which is a production company. We took it public on the stock market. Um, Word. And that was my first taste of like being like literally on the other side. You know, I feel like a lot of people as consumers. And as just uh, investors in the industry will invest on the front end on just common, they call it common stock. And that's where everybody buys. Um, mm-hmm. but then on the backside, you have, you know, uh, preferred stock, you know, anti-dilutable preferred stock, you know, in different series. You got series A, B, C, and D. And I was on mm. the other side of that to see how, how it is to actually, uh, you know, you basically have to form that stock. You have to formulate it, uh, register with the SEC and FINRA. You actually have to put that stock out and then issue it to the stockholders. So I got the chance mm. to, to work from a company from the opposite end on what it's like to issue the stock, wow. you know, and be a part of a company from the other side, following the financial disclosures, make sure we're keeping that mm. up quarterly and many different things. And I learned a lot about financial structure, money, and how it works. 
and flows. But um, wow. that's basically what we met Teddy about. And it was about Shackleton's to this day right now. I still ain't launched it all the way. But mm. I have a platform. It's a music licensing platform uh, called Trackillers. Trackillers.com is actually how it uh, sounds. Spell everything grammatically correct. Um, and my whole concept, <laughs> yeah, you know, somebody don't yeah, no, no, Z in there. No, no, Z, Z. no Z, no Z, mm-hmm. no A. Yeah, right. Trackillers. Um, so with that, that's what we met over. And I had this whole pitch ready to just be like, yo, the reason that you should join our company is this and that and this and that mm-hmm. and this and the third. And I was like, you know what? This is literally on my bucket list. If this conversation goes nowhere, I'm more than excited just to be here meeting the Teddy Riley in his home. Mm-hmm. And that was enough for me. You know what I mean? Like that, that right. was it. But the conversation really, when I was sitting in front of him, I couldn't even bring myself to have that conversation. I was like, you know what? This is about legacy at mm. this point. I just want to be a part of the legacy. Like, we can talk business. I'm sure you're doing business after Wazoo. You do not mm-hmm. need me for none of that stuff. And I'm just another person, you know, at the end of the day. But I think that legacy is more important um, than another business deal. Mm-hmm. And that's when I kind of, again, I, at this point, I'm exposed to stock. So my mindset thinks different. I think about publishing. I think about streaming royalties and streaming platforms as digital real estate. Mm-hmm. I don't think about it as like another song going out. If you look at actual real estate and you imagine you have 10 to 20 uh, uh, deeds to homes, you know what I mean, that you probably got wholesale, you can start a real estate company. You know what I mean? You get property management. You get somebody in those houses. You can rent them out. You can sell them. You can flip them. And I look at the music the exact same way. Like, mm. it's about digital real estate. It's not about, like, trying so hard to get another placement or another single or another just just create a platform where you can do as much of that as humanly possible and track everything that you do. At that time, I didn't have the most important piece of the technology I needed back then. I got it mm. now, which is a whole nother story. And I, I'll kind of allude to that as well. But at the time, he's like, man, he said something crazy. It was a crazy number. I don't remember exactly. But he's like, I have like 10 terabytes of sounds and music. Now, the producer side of me is like, bro, 10 Terabyte. Music? Music. He's like, I've been probably doing music longer than you've been alive. Yeah. It's almost how he talks, too. (laughs) Yeah, no, he talks very, like, it's it's almost like a whisper all the time. Yeah, yep. I've been doing music for a long time. You know, I I have records with, and he goes on a list. (laughs) Of people, and I'm like, yes. out at this point, I'm like, bro, I gotta hear these records. Yo, forget this whole meeting. I forget need to this hear meeting. some of these I need, records. That's right. Yo, yeah, and he's like, man, I have, I have sounds. I have thousands, tens of mm. thousands of sounds, and he's like, but how are you gonna track it? And I was like, uh, I did not have that answer for you right now. <laughs> I have not the slightest idea. It's not trackable yet mm. and that that led into like a whole nother journey and spill of different stages that i went on on, on becoming mm. you know my road to uh chasing after becoming a music aggregator so to become tune core and mm. have that capability delivering to the dsps which i guess i'm spoiling the uh my swell here. um <laughs> that is that is that is the, the case right now i'm keeping that in a label format right now wow. um, so i'm handpicking handpicking artists on my dj Khaled type vibes 
and producing those records just for those artists that's going to be under the company, financing them, putting them out as my own mu- music aggregator. So I don't I don't go through anybody. So I don't go through TuneCore. I don't go through the wow. Masters. Um, I put my last joint on DistroKid. That's it. Like at this point, mm. I am them. So now I'm coming from the other way. I got daily trends. I got uh, uh, I can see stuff real time. And mm-hmm. one of the things I'm working on is 24 hour real time stats. So you, most of these DSPs, wow. um, they'll provide you'll d- distribute something. It comes out three months later. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then every month you'll get your new statement. But I have a formula. I have a platform to where it's actually utilizing blockchain technology which a lot of people thought would never be able to be the case, but it does, as of right now, wow. utilize blockchain technology and give 24-hour stats and real-time stats as far as your streaming. So if you imagine that you can see every little stat that comes out mm-hmm. when you're streaming, every little penny, just like when you break down the, um, the intricate stats, if you open up Bistro mm-hmm. Kid or you open up TuneCore and they give you like all the little pennies based on streams and the different platforms that you had, you'll be able to see that real-time on the blockchain um, real-time. So if you made 42 cents, Today, you'll be able to see on the chain where it came from. Delivery from the DSPs and underwriting the actual streamer royalties to deliver it out within 24 hours instead of 30 days. Wow. Brother. Oh, man. Brother. Man. Uh, so, 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 now, so, so here's the thing. Who's thinking on that level? You know what I mean? I feel like it's a lot of people thinking it. I just feel like it's not a lot of people trying to execute it. I I Mm. feel like the conversation has been had a million times. You know, Mm -hmm. if you just search blockchain and music online, Mm. it's out there. You know what I mean? I just don't think that people actually legitimately went towards it. I, I, and that's a whole nother story in itself. But um, for a Mm -hmm. quick second, I had jumped into uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency and, um, I learned how to code it. You know what I mean? Like I know how to like code tokens. I know how to code smart contracts. Wow. And that's one of the things I started doing with um, my company Next Inc. Because I took a year off from music in 2019. Mm-hmm. And just like, you know what? I need, I need to learn. Because I was a big Ryan Leslie fan. So he, he hey, attributed to a lot of look, this. Um, I know. Superphone. Shout out to him. Shout out to all yes. the moves that he made. Yes. Um, and, and just blazing the trail that he did. So I was like, man, I need to do something like that. That's the difference. I need to make mm-hmm. something to where I can control it, where I have foresight and I can guide it and push it where it needs to go. And I didn't have a lot of the elements in, but I took the time and I learned how to do that. And I still grow every day, even now on that and learn something new. But I got the general concept because, again, remember, I had the public company. So I seen stock from the other side. So I'm like, man, but what if you could do this with streaming? What if you could do this with publishing? And there was a lot of mountains you have to climb because with publishing, it's not just one person. You know, it's a makeup of many different platforms, many different yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, publishing companies, many different people who have to actually deliver that money. You got to make a bunch of phone calls. As a publisher, mm-hmm. there's a lot of pieces that go into that to actually get that money to ASCAP, to BMI, to CSAC, et cetera. But right. I was like, man, it's, it's possible. That's the thing, though. If ACH exists with Visa and MasterCard, mm-hmm. that's all blockchain is. It's just a big database. It's a ledger system. That's all it is at the end of the day. And if you do any type of, because um, I do cloud work as well, so I, you know, I do uh, web design development and cloud architecture using Google Cloud and Amazon AWS, et cetera. So I'm like, it's the wow. same. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. So if you can find a way to get when DSPs, Title, Apple Music, Spotify, et cetera, pay out, or you know that these streams equal this amount of money, it's not impossible to get a bank to underwrite that money that's actually coming from this multi-billion-dollar company. 
that they have to deliver based on copyright rules and streaming rules, et cetera, to get that underwritten if you have a lot of people doing the exact same thing. Mm. Could you imagine how many how many creatives are on TuneCore? Too many. So if but I yeah. go to a bank, if you're a Bank of America and I can say, look, I make this much monthly. Can mm-hmm. you underwrite this and give me the money ahead of time? Like credit, almost like right. a line of credit. Yeah, it's like a credit. But it's based on... Yeah, but it's, it's based on active cash flow that's coming from third-party, multi-billion-dollar companies. Mm. It's not like it's just cash flow from running a store online. You know, it's a big mm-hmm. difference, and they have those tiers when you're at that point. So that that's basically what I got a part of. It comes with a wallet. You can literally transfer your publishing, like, bound. Like, if I wanted to send you publishing of a song that I own that's distributed mm-hmm. through my platform, I could send it to you just like I could send you Ethereum or Bitcoin. That fast, and every other future streaming will come to you and not me. Wow! Just like that, just like that. So I was like, wow. if we could put song ownership on the blockchain the same way that we have ACH going through a system, and a lot of people were asking me, well, how does it work? I'm like, okay, first of all, I can tell you how it works. I I basically just said it mm-hmm. like three or four times in this interview, but when we swipe Visa cards at the store, do we necessarily know? how it goes from the stripper to card to the machine through the HD nope. system and reports nope. to your bank to release the funds. We don't. All, but all, all, we look, look, all, we, all we're looking at is, is that thing that says, is it approved or denied? Like, say approved, say approved, please. Like, okay, That's cool. It. <laughs> That's it. And it, it ain't nothing but a ledger system. So if yep. it's like for anybody that probably works at a bank, they will probably look at it as that. Because if you're mm. working as a banker, and you look at different accounts within Bank of America or Wells Fargo Chase, mm-hmm. whatever they may work, you can see everyone's account, everybody's past history with that bank. Looking at, if you go to etherscan.io, it's the same way. You can see everybody's whole everything. Mm. You can see all of their actions that they took, every transaction they ever made. Every You imagine that a song plays on the radio and you can see every play, but every dollar amount attached to that play real time. Just imagine that. Wow! Imagine you can look at your phone and be like, "It's playing on eight stations right now nationally, and I just got a dollar twenty-nine per play, each one." Mm. Boom, 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 boom. But imagine now that the record labels can see that as well, because mm-hmm. it's a public ledger, it's blockchain. They can see the song, they can see who owns it, just like you can see a wallet transfer one token mm-hmm. to another wallet. It's the same way. You can see the song ownership percentage of that song that that person owns, and they could transfer it, or you can see all the payments payments that entered wow. that smart contract for that song so that's that's what i have right now man you're about to be a, you're about to be a multi-millionaire brother man I, easily I, I, easily I, I mean i always told people all i want to do is make a hundred thousand a year off the music <laughs> anything yeah. else is a blessing from god but i just I, wow that that search came from that moment in 2018 and just taking track killers public mm-hmm. for a moment it's not public anymore because we unwound because they sold that whole company mm-hmm. and i didn't want to be i didn't want to be a part of something where i didn't know who owned mm-hmm. uh, the umbrella company so that that turned into a whole nother situation that you know i can't speak too much on but i didn't want right. to be a part of that no more um so we unwound uh, which basically releases the company from the bigger company so we were no longer a subsidiary of that company mm. um and we went back private so okay it it but man that experience to this day it's it's kept me to this day like to this day i still operate in blockchain i still 
uh, fiddle around with with uh, other cryptocurrencies as investments. I still I'm heavy in stock all the time, mm. every day. I'm I'm watching the stock market mm-hmm. every single day. So it, it's just I can't go back. I can't erase it from my mind. Yeah, you, so it's, it's like yeah. So it's like now my next moves have has been like okay, uh, let's apply this. It's not impossible. I just mm. don't know how to do it. And that backtracking that led into my whole journey of learning how to do things on the web, learning cloud mm-hmm. architecture, learning databases, learning BigQuery, learning like just a, a bunch of tools that's actually mm. needed to deploy all of this mess and mm-hmm. legitimately make it work. And, you know, right now, my upcoming album that, is, that I'm working on is probably going to that's gonna be the first project that I released through that system. And wow. we're going to see how it goes. Hey, you got to have, you know, that... Uh, that- the proof that, and, and this would be this would be your 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 proof. I forgot the actual term they use, in, and, and I'm sure you know what it is. But uh, pretty much, it's proving that the system works the way that you design a system to work, right? Yeah, so like that when, or yeah, so, yeah, so that when you yeah, so that when you go to, to initial investors, then you can kind of have that data uh, to to kind of show them that the system does work the way that you designed it to to work, and how they can benefit, and how others can benefit from it. Man, genius. That's that's ingenious right there. That's that's the yeah. Yeah, you you man, just to touch on that too cuz you said something, but it's one of those things I started through that. I started through that as far as like searching for a million investors mm-hmm. only when I really it took a collaboration of different people kind of like you tapped me on the head like, "Bro, like you don't need investors for that. You just need that out." Cuz now mm. imagine this. Have you heard of a uh, start engine? I have. So start in yeah, allows you to go invest in pre-IPO companies mm-hmm. before they go public and mm-hmm. get some of their private stock. But right. imagine, my imagine house party is that, and it will mm. be that because I'm gonna transfer it over to the system. And imagine at this point, I publicly, just like a public company, just like you take a, a company public, file your disclosures, file your paperwork, file your subsidiary of mm-hmm. paperwork under an umbrella company, and go public on the stock market and get your symbol right. Imagine that house party wow. becomes that two months from now. And you could publicly buy pieces of house party in fractions or in full percentages. And now all of the pub or streaming that's now coming to that song goes to you. And it's a smart contract, so it could be set for a term. So imagine for one year, wow. you get 5% of all of the streaming, all of the actual publishing, all of the actual... Uh, broadcast royalties going to you for one year and then after that one year is up it goes away but let's just say you're a music licensor let's say you you're tyler perry let's say you put that song and license it through your own stream of movie lines mm-hmm. now that song just you forced it you manufactured it to gener- generate more revenue than what i was probably going to generate by myself so you mm-hmm. put it in movies for the term that you own that percentage but imagine if sprite could do that imagine if coca-cola could do that Imagine if McDonald's could do that from the other end. Imagine if they really was actively every day just how they are on the stock market, actively involved in the stock market of music. Genius, that's, brother. That's we've, music hasn't gone there yet, bro. That's bro. That's that's ingenious. That'll change the entire platform of how we do business today within this music industry. That's, and it's needed. That's a it's game needed. changer. That is. A complete game changer and I guess the, it begs the question to 
to ask, do you think that publishers and record labels are, with their current mentality, are ready for that? I don't know that it's about being ready, right? Mm. I, I think that, and that's one thing I've learned of just maturing over time, um, of trying to convince people to be ready of something that's may seem too far ahead or everybody's mm -hmm. not using yet. And I've been in those meetings, I've been on those phone calls um, with people you would never believe. I never, I still don't believe it to this day. But it's, it's the one thing I learned is you don't, if I came to your house with a suitcase full of gold, I don't necessarily need to tell everybody. I just need to show you the case. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing with the with technology. When when you look at uh, Spotify, the same person who created Spotify was shot down for creating a downloading site. Mm. So it's like it's, he's the same guy. He just came back and did it to the rules, and he right. came back with Spotify. And now y'all want to work with him? Wow. Before we, you was hitting him with copyright infringements back to back to back to back, shut down this whole thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, it's it's the same thing. I feel like record labels, just like how we switched into iTunes from CDs. Mm -hmm. I don't yep. think that they were ready for that, but I think they saw the value in it. Just how we went from iTunes to streaming. When Spotify right. first came out, the first three to four years, they didn't even care about Spotify until Spotify started adding adverts to mm. the platform. And started adding advertising into the point where they could actually pay out royalties mm. to all the artists. Next thing you know, they had a million records on the on the whole platform. Wow. Then we've seen that been a phase. SoundCloud did the same thing. Apple did the same thing. And Apple really was Beats Music. So you had Dr. Dre yeah. and his whole yep. deal. You know what I mean? They dissolved Beats Music. And next thing you know, you got Apple Music. Because he mm -hmm. hit the streaming thing heavy before they did. Right. You know, that's when they were talking about leaving iTunes and going to streaming. So mm -hmm. we got to give him credit, too. You know what I mean? He just he did his deal. He made his situation work for himself, uh, which was epic for the moment. But yeah. that's a whole other conversation in itself. So it's just kind of like it's I, I feel like are they ready? I don't think it's about them being ready. I think it's about the, the technology presenting itself. Mm -hmm. It's showing a use case where it works for someone. It doesn't mm. have to be a huge artist if if again it just has to work if i bring us it just has to work if yep. i bring a suitcase full of gold to your house i don't have to convince you i just have to pop the case open right so if i bring that same application that wallet and i share it with you and you're like nah bro it exists i seen it no i saw it i actually own a percentage of the song right now mm. like now you just scale it that's that's where investors mm. in the sharks come in because they see the opportunity they see the scale right. case it's not That's the right. fact that they you need the investor it's the fact that i see the scale case they may not even be interested in investing they be like well based on how it's built well we don't need to invest in you personally it just mm -hmm. needs to be used and you know and that's a lot like blockchain no blockchain didn't necessarily need people to invest into bitcoin per se mm -hmm. as an investment it just needs to be used every day mm. all day 24 hours mm. a day and now it's used by millions of people it's in the billions of volume every day every 24 right. hours if you do the same thing with publishing you do the same thing with streaming royalties i'm not say i'm just i don't even got a talented bone in my body but i got ten thousand dollars in the bank and i go spend 2500 on buying some streaming royalties mm -hmm. i'm just a Yo, normal just a pretend i'm a normal so human crazy. being but i buy 10 percent of hey, let's not even a big artist let's say like mulatto right now let's say mm -hmm. I, I buy 10 percent boom I get 10% or 1% of a Cardi B record. 
Uh, I get uh, 1% of a Beyonce back catalog record. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. I just sit, <laughs> sit on that. I'm going to make money. I'm trying to do that Beyonce. now. <laughs> Bro, like, it's, and I, people will say, well, that's too far ahead for it to, oh, we got to stop saying that. Yeah, I got the technology, stop. I got the technology right now. Yeah, we got to stop saying it's that. It's not far ahead. Mm-hmm. And we do, because it's like, it's just right now. So even people who don't mess with blockchain or don't mess with cryptocurrency, I said something, right? And I said, you know, uh, it's a very tough space, right? Because you'll get people who get into it. They don't understand it all the way. They get mm-hmm. into it too fast. They get mad because they or or frustrated because they may not make the best decisions, you know, getting into that space. And you have some mm-hmm. people who just win, even though they didn't understand it. I went through that in the early stages. I made some bad decisions. I lost money, but then I gained money as well. Mm. So it's kind of like, I, I feel like understanding the concept of knowing that you have this item that mm. can increase or decrease in price. If I am a uh, music aggregator and you're supposed, let's just pretend you're an artist and you're supposed to get $10,000 in streaming royalties this month. But they only give you the streaming royalties and sit it into basically kind of like an escrow account until you pull it out through PayPal, et cetera. Right. Uh, most people. But imagine if you could have the choice and be like, well, what if you can make that 10000 20000 mm-hmm. Everybody said not not possible. It's possible. It's possible. Because it's... I mean, we do it every day with... I mean, we do it every day with stock. Okay, but what they'll say is streaming is not a stock right now, right? But then I said, look at... What if I gave you the choice to take your streaming royalties in the form of Ethereum? Mm. Let's just back. Let's just back up near two months ago now when ETH was about at one ninety. Mm-hmm. ETH is near four hundred dollars today. That's wow. dope. So you tell me your your ten thousand dollars in streaming royalties just turned into twenty thousand, give or take dollars, mm-hmm. because of the form that you took it in. Hmm. So Brother. let's use a bigger person like Beyonce and say she's supposed to get ten million this month. She now has twenty million mm-hmm. because of the form that she took her royalties in. This happens every single day in business. It happens every single day on the stock market. Sure does. You get a re a real estate investment trust with a thirty percent return dividend on it every quarter. You sit ten thousand there, compound interest. Done. But you can't mm. do that with streaming royalties. I feel like financial literacy is a conversation piece that's needed so bad so in the bad industry so bad that it is it is almost near non-existent mm-hmm. you know why because you ask- because because people are so caught up with and I, and I think you said this earlier caught up with placements and you know who's the next artist i could work with or you know what's the next song that i could put out and that's their focus and it's so sometimes so narrow that yeah. they lose sight of everything else and they don't really understand that it's, it is a business, but man, what you're talking about is, it's still, it's still business, but it is, it is at a higher level. And that's what I was, what I was getting to is at a higher level than what I think most people are, are even considering at this point. They are rare. This is a rarity when you have a person, you know, you may have the guy like at Spotify, Ryan Leslie, yourself, you know, and there are other people out there doing it or considering it or even trying to implement it, but that's not the majority. I, I just think, I think that, okay, let's look at it right now. How many people buy stock as of right now? 
a, a, a gazillion people. I'm sure. I mean, but how I, I buy stuff. Okay, but how many every everyday citizens? Mm. Most everyday citizens Probably have don't. never ever right. bought a stock in their life. They've mm-hmm. never had a brokerage firm ever, and that's not any pun intended. It's just that we this now gets into a whole other conversation. We have not mm-hmm. been, especially as a black culture, we have not been exposed to these things in business. Nope. We have not been exposed to real estate from the other end. Nope. Most of us, you know, there's a lot of black mm-hmm. people who, who, who definitely on that. And we're picking that up as a culture heavy, especially in the South, like this heavy. Right. But I feel like that should be one of the things that they teach in school. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Teaching stocks should be one of the things they teach in school. Teaching ETFs and real estate investment trusts should be one of the things that they teach mm-hmm. in school. Teaching compound interest should be like they high teaching, school. This should be, but they yeah, teaching like, like new, some other crazy weird stuff. Well, in school, they're teaching you how to be an employee. I mean, that's really, really what Ooh. it is. I mean, if if we just call it yes. state, you go to school to be a good employee. Mm. You go to college and take certain terms and actions to become a possible entrepreneur or innovator. But you don't need to go to college to be an innovator do right. i feel like it helps yes i feel like college i didn't go to college i didn't i didn't get that chance but i went back and i learned a lot of stuff i took a bunch of classes like i said i started doing tech mm-hmm. i started taking tech classes i started getting my certificates i'm going through google cloud training right now like mm. i'm taking the harvard courses right now on edx so it's just kind of like mm. it's it's that's a conscious decision to be right. an entrepreneur like you don't have to go have someone tell you in a classroom to be a boss, you have right. to make a constant decision and and be uh, uh, disciplined enough to say, hey, I want this for my life. Let me find out the information that I need to execute these things because the answers mm. are all, they're all out there. I'm not extra special. I just took the time, disciplined myself and learned the information that I needed and executed. I didn't get, I got tired along the way for sure. There's mm-hmm. plenty of times where I'm like, man, forget all of this. I'm cool off all of this. I ain't trying to do no, no. I ain't that, trying to do none gibberish. of it. I'm, no, Mm-mm. I am not learning that mess. But at the same time, I, I said, like, well, if I don't, who am I really hurting? I'm only holding myself back from my full potential. So mm-hmm. even to this day, I still, I still, I learn everything, learn more, 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 more. At some point, it's all just information. Some people have right. more information than others. That's why they say knowledge is power. Knowledge is actually real power. If you have mm-hmm. the knowledge on how to turn water into certain things, you have a certain power. If you have the ability to take money and turn it into success, you have a certain power. If you have the ability to turn knowledge into money without no money, mm-hmm. you have a certain power. If you have influence to impact lives and help somebody and change their direction, you have a certain power. So mm-hmm. knowledge is power. I feel like how you use it and give it to the world and create impact is, is that. See, see, I see. I, I think that's the thing. I, I mean, I've heard the phrase you just said it. Knowledge is power. But I think that that there's a, another level to that. It's because I know a lot of people who have the knowledge, mm-hmm. but they don't do it. But they don't do anything with it. You know, so 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 I have the phrase that, yep, knowledge is power. You know, as we have the phrase, but applied knowledge is power. Because not only do I have the knowledge, but I'm literally applying and implementing what I know. You know, so let's say I didn't know how to turn water into, let's say water into wine, right? So we had a conversation earlier. Let's say I know how to turn water into wine, but I never do anything. Mm-hmm. I never do any of it, right? 
then it, it's not yeah. benefiting anybody. It's not benefiting me. At it's all. not benefiting anybody else, you know, at the wedding who may be thirsty for, for wine. But if I apply yeah. what I know and actually physically go do it, and then yeah. everybody else can enjoy what I know from my applied knowledge. And I think once we get to that point where we can apply what we know, and there, there's people out there doing it today, but if we can start to apply what we know, then we can start to see the fruits from that and the impact it has in other people's other people's lives. Man, Absolutely. brother, man, brother, yeah. we have been we have been talking about I man, that is so that is so intriguing that you, that how your mind works and at the level that it, that it, that it works at. And I know we've been talking for for some time over an hour. Um, and I don't want I don't want to hold you up because look. Like, shoot, I mean, look, I, shoot, I may, look, I may just, I may just call you. And we may just have this conversation, or we may just even come back as, as a, you know, as a second part of the interview. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, but there is something I am going to call you about though, uh, and talk to you about because I do a monthly. We have our first one coming up next week. I am mm -hmm. doing a monthly panel uh, that I call the conversation, and the conversation happens every month on a specific topic, and you just, you just pretty much put something in my head to talk about like financial literacy uh, and technology within the music, the music community. Uh, so I'm gonna pick your brain That's about so that. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna pick your brain about yes, that sir. a little bit later. But uh, man, so so let me ask you. So 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 we can wrap up. So I know you can probably I see you in the studio. You know, you probably want to cook up some stuff. I'm good, I'm good on time. <laughs> man. I'm good. I'm here. Man. Yeah. So, so so let me ask you, what's what's what advice would you give? anyone that want to get into this whole music business what would you really tell them um well uh, stereotypically i would say eat god first which is definitely it mm -hmm. makes a difference even if you don't know god find him like it, it's gonna make all the difference because you're gonna go through things you're gonna go through highs you're gonna go through lows and you gotta stay grounded you gotta keep real people around you you can't keep yes men around you. You got to keep real people who will tell you when you trash, when your music is trash, when that mm -hmm. line is trash. People who will keep it a thousand with you because you got to be a thousand with yourself before you can even be 50% with anybody else. So you, mm. you need that. And, and you need mm. financial literacy. I, I feel like it should be almost like a thing. Just how you can't even go to college per se mm -hmm. the normal way if you don't finish high school. I feel like this music game for the sake of the creatives and having a more diverse and more enhanced platform that it take a bare minimum financial something because oh, it's almost like I know right now how to turn $100 into $4,000 in a week. Wow. I didn't used to know how to do that. I know how I can take 10000 and turn it into using compound interest. 30,000, if not more, before the year is out. Because most times we come to LA, and I'm, I'm fault of this too. You chase the record labels, you chase it for a deal, for the money. Yes. You know what I mean? I yep. need the money right now so I can do music how I really need to do it. I need 20, like 30,000, all this stuff costs. I need 5,000 for a music video. I need 5,000 for studio time. I need this, I need that. But you can get that on your own. If you mm -hmm. take the time, be disciplined, just learn money. Because that, that's not all about money. You know what I mean? There's artists who have just put great music out and it, and it took off. But that's, you know, 3% of the time. You know what I mean? Like, that's not right. the majority case. You know, if we're 
not being in denial and just speaking on the reality, most artists have to do much more to obtain that. It mm. takes much more. It takes a team. But the labels know how to move around money. The right. banks know how to move around money. Right. The promoters know how to move around money. The clubs know how to move around money. The managers, the agents know how to move around money. Mm -hmm. But somehow, when we get to the artists, they don't know how to move around money. Therefore, they mm -hmm. always need the money. Therefore, you end up in most times cases or deals or situations that you may not know that you're uh, opting into. And that comes from financial literacy. It comes from music literacy, too. I think that every artist should know what is streaming. What are the different streaming royalty rates per platform? Like, who who pays the most? Title. Shout out to Title. Uh, Y'all doing good <laughs> over there. And title. In spite of everything that's going that's on. That's right. I need that, I need that sponsorship. Hook a brother up. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, shout out to them. No, they did reach out to me before. Um, so, mm. it's, man, it's, they're doing their thing at the end of the yeah. day. Yep. Um, as far as like the creation side and just just I would say that be be grounded in your information it will save you from a lot of buffoonery and goofy people if you just learn financial literacy and learn music literacy learn what publishing is where does it come from learn what streaming royalties are how do they get the rate why does advertising play a factor? Why do they need free accounts and premium accounts? How much do I get paid from the premium versus the free account? Like, utilize, oh my God. And this one thing, if you don't take nothing else from this interview, if you're an artist and you're out there doing it right now and you're like, man, I can't get a million views. I can't get 100,000 views. I can't get no viewership. Ain't nobody listen to my music. Advertising. Google. Ads.google.com. I'm giving free game right now. This is free. Free, free game. Business.facebook.com. Stop hating on Facebook. Because first of all, if you're on Free the gram, game. you're using Facebook. Just get take that away. The reason why other artists have more streams than you is because they are using Facebook. Their record labels use Facebook. How do they apply? Facebook, you set up an ad to run on Instagram. Mm -hmm. You should use Facebook even if it's just to get data. And what I mean by that is getting people's information, getting your first 1,000 fans. I have 7,000 people right now that I can text right now from Facebook ad. Mm. So if somebody gave you $5,000, I spent 30, about $3,700 to get 7,000 people. And people mm. might say, <clears throat> 7,000 people ain't enough. Bro, if somebody left 7,000 comments on your next video, that's not enough. Right. If you sell 300 tickets to your next event, that's not enough. At $20 a piece, that's the type of people that they sign it. So, if, and it's 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 just math. So, if, if 3,700 equals 7,000, if you scale and keep going and make that campaign bigger, let it run, spend more money. If I spent $37,000, I have 70,000 people. Right. That's, the Staples Center only fits 18,000 people in it. So just picture that. That's multiple staple centers worth of people that you can text from the future now on. And you know everybody's right. first and last name, email, and phone number. That's that's the beauty. That's what I took from Ryan Leslie. I yeah, took that, ran with it. Uh, don't be mad at me, Ryan. But reverse engineered <laughs> the process. Uh, if you ever see this interview, reverse engineered the process based off of what you did. And mm. using Twilio for SMS contact information. And at the time, it was just Gumroad and uh, Superphone. But... Wow. Uh, uh, just taking that and be like, yo, Twilio gives you the power to be Verizon. 
Mm. Mm. Twilio gives you the power to be Verizon, to be T-Mobile. Wow. So taking that, run a ad. If you want YouTube views, run a ad. Target those people. And for the people who say, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do it organic. That's cheating. It's not cheating because that's exactly it's what not they're going to do if you're a label. Brother, and that's exactly what they do. They do that today in labels. You think it doesn't happen like it used to. We don't have the level of street teams that we used to have. We don't, we're now in a digital, a digital age, right? And so now they have figured out ways to use digital marketing for the advancement of artists. Labels do it every single day man and i say thank god you know why <laughs> because I, I tell you thank god i'm glad i was born in the era i was born in because i went through the cd phase i used mm-hmm. to have cd burners yeah, I used to oh, have yeah to me go too. to walmart get the sticky papers put the cds in there and burn them that's right i only had a two i had a two burner i only had two cds <laughs> at a time i had to do a hundred plus cds that's crazy mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't get the seven bays till later you know what mm-hmm. i mean so you had to put in real work but to say that if i could spend an hour on a YouTube video, learn how to do Facebook advertising. And for people who don't know how to do it, you can go on Facebook and look up Facebook advertisement certificate, Facebook advertisement certificate. It's Mm. free. This is free education. You can get certified for free. And for the person who may not have a job, because this all applies to what would you say to somebody getting started? Get your money up. This is free. If you go on LinkedIn right now, somebody just left. There's 600 million people on LinkedIn that are professionals industry professionals if you look up facebook marketing the median dollar amount per, per salary per year starts at one hundred and twenty two thousand dollars per year for something Brother. you can obtain for free facebook certificates for marketing wow. is free the bottom tier job you can get is a hundred thousand plus per year. You don't need any help per se at that point financially, and it gives you a little bit more freedom so you can do the bare minimum things you need to do. You're gonna upgrade your lifestyle. You're gonna upgrade your clothes. You're gonna upgrade the car, the house, and <laughs> your lifestyle and clothing. You, you're gonna be a little bit more free in the mind. I had to do that for mm-hmm. myself. That's what tech did for me. But when I started paying mm-hmm. attention to those things, and shout out to my pops, you know what I mean? Because he he been doing tech for ever like literally mm. my entire life so he exposed me more to that and he made a he made a statement he was like he's like son if you could apply at that time i wasn't making crazy money off the music you know what i mean mm-hmm. at this point i'm still not making crazy money off the music i make the most of my money from technology and i just do music and live my life how i want to live it you know what i mean mm. and with that he said look there's not a lot of creatives per se music creatives in the tech space there's yeah, not a that. lot of 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 ryan leslie's that are mark zuckerberg's there's mm-hmm. not a lot of of uh there's not a lot of gucci names that's warren buffett's mm-hmm. there's not a lot of that so if you take your music crap and go over here and learn technology the same way you apply yourself to learn Pro Tools back and forth. He always says that because I've been using Pro Tools since like <laughs> Pro, Tools, Pro Tools 5, like when it was the little blue box. And he's like, apply yourself and learn this. Just give yourself a year, I promise. And I was like, well, I'm trying to hear that. I'm trying to hear that. I'm trying to hear that. 
And I did that back in 2019. And when I tell you, it made the complete difference, like my life entirely. You know what I mean? So that same 30,000 I would chase to try to get a deal, a single deal, before I could finance myself now. Thank God. Thank God. And it's, it's just. Yes, sir. But it's from, those, it's from those tactics. You know, apply yourself. So if you're new, if you're an artist, do not feel like you cannot go get a job. And when I say job, I don't mean some whack job like where you just kind of like hate your life. I'm saying if you're at least going to hate your life working a job, hate your life making six figures. Some money. <laughs> making some money. That's right. Yeah, because you'll hate it a lot less. You know what I mean? you at least mm-hmm. be like, well, shoot, I get paid $8,000 a month, so who cares? So it's like it's that's the first step. And again, it's free. It's free. This free. hasn't cost you yet. I'm not saying go to school for two years. Go get a bachelor's, come out and work your way mm-hmm. up. You're going to burn so much time. Your creative five minutes yeah. on. It's going to be crazy. I'm Facebook, you can take the next 30 days. And the only thing that's stopping you from doing this is if you're six feet under, God forbid. That's the only mm. thing stopping you from doing that. But if you still alive and breathing and kicking, the Facebook advertisement certificate, get that. Get on Solo Learn and learn bare minimum, HTML, CSS, something. Start making websites. There's people out there paying $10,000 for websites. It's people that pay eight thousand plus dollars for websites per month. Like it's it's to just how music has different tools to make it more obtainable for streaming and things of that nature. Right now, it's it's the same way on the business side as well. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I would say just apply yourself every way possible that you can. Don't overlook something or think that something's beneath you. That could be the very step stone that you need to That's elevate right. your dreams. That's right. Man, that's amazing words of wisdom. There's so many gems that are things I didn't even know. Things I'm about to go look up. Man, thank <laughs> you. Things I'm about to go look up as soon as we're done because I need that, you know, 120 plus uh, a year. Absolutely. Yeah, everybody. I'm going to figure that out. Like, for, Gotta get it. for real. <laughs> Yeah. But man, so 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 let's close out, brother. So where can people find you if they want to get in contact with you? They want to find out about your music. Where where do they have access? I'm always on the gram. Um, if you really, 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 really want to reach me, um, I'm always on my website yfrsofficial.com. Um, it uses SMS technology, so I do get every phone number. I get every name. I'm reachable. You know, I get on there, I message all the time. I check it every single day. Um, I'm, I'm on the Grand Wi-Fi, for us official. Same thing. If you Google me, Wi-Fi for us official, that's all that. You can either hit my business line at 310-750-4599 um, and, and hit me direct. That's my business line. So I'm reachable. I'm down to earth. So let's get it. My brother, definitely appreciate it. Now, notice, notice, he is on the Grand, though, but... He says, I am on my web site and it has SM. I got to talk to you about how to build the SMS technology into the website so that, yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm finna go to school. (laughs) Fitting. You know, I'm from from, from Virginia, so we finna go to school. Yes, sir. Uh, Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. I'm glad uh, glad we had this opportunity to to sit down and chat and to really, uh, I'm going to use a word that doesn't really exist, but conversate. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
conversate. Uh, a conversate. Now, we just really converse on uh, music, who you are, what you do. But now, I mean, for those who are going to watch this interview, they're going to be really intrigued about the things that you've been speaking about, specifically in the latter half of, the, of this interview. So, brother, I wish you nothing but the best uh, in your endeavors with your music, but more specifically with just your mogul uh, ventures that you are going to be uh, taking on. And I'm looking forward to seeing those turn into multi-million dollar, multi-million dollar Man, ventures. Thank you. Yeah, I and, I can, and I can say, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I interviewed him on, on We Create Music TV. Sure did. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, sir. So, man, thank so, you. uh, but, man, thank you for being on the show. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. And yeah, for those of you, here, man. yeah, thank you. And for those of you who are tuning in, uh, once again, thank you for tuning in. Uh, you can catch uh, our show every Monday and every Thursday at 7 p.m. And of course, throughout the week, as we continue to drop other things for, uh, you know, from our master classes that we do, from our panels that we do, and just ask that you continue to support We Create Music TV. But once again, thank you for tuning in. I hope each and every one of you have an amazing, blessed, and just creative day. I'm still trying to work on what that my ending tagline would be, so I don't know yet. But just once again, thank you for tuning in. And ladies and gentlemen, we are out. Thank you very much.